Once again, it's next time. There is a religious exemption form that can be signed, that can be filled out, uh, that can be sent, and it's 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 obviously against the law to fire someone uh, based on their religion, right? Their religious beliefs, and this also applies to I think at least forty um, three states with those who are in colleges, right? Who are studying. Um, so if you can find this, anyone who's listening that's interested. Uh, one Peter five.com Bishop Schneider affidavit, religious exemption, COVID vaccine. Once again, HTTPS uh, one Peter five.com Bishop Schneider S C H N E I D E R affidavit, religious exemption, COVID vaccine. Um, Hopefully you were so able to write all that down. If I'm just kidding. No, we're going to put the link on the, uh, on the podcast notes. So, uh, so keep an eye out for it. So, with all that being said, now you have the resource to uh, protecting yourself, and uh, we'll be praying for you all as you pray for us. Uh, let's jump to the religious aspect of it then. We have Archbishop Schneider. We have Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. We have three other uh, conservative bishops that have written a letter urging Catholics not to receive the vaccine that's derived from uh, the aborted uh, the aborted baby, right? Um, so, or babies, depending, it's H-E-K, uh, whatever number, 463. Um, it's, a, it's a fetal cell line that they use to produce um, the Johnson & Johnson, I believe, uh, Pfizer, Moderna tested on it. So basically, it's such a grave offense. Uh, these bishops were saying, that we, we can't just turn a blind a blind eye uh, to uh, to the abortion uh, relation to uh, with the vaccine and then receive it. He said that you know uh, they're actually all willing to risk their positions as bishops um, in order not to receive the vaccine. That says something to me. Um, yeah, it's, so it's definitely definitely a stay alert moment, right? And 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 watch and be vigilant moment. Um, Michael, what what do you what are your uh, thoughts on all this? Uh, what gets me is how uh, innocent, innocently ignorant so many people are. Uh, again, I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but you talk to people, and you know they have limited knowledge of things. I do my best to promote Catholic radio, and uh, you know I do my best as do many here to wear our uh, bumper stickers advertising local Catholic radio, and. Um, and I think the key is to really educate people about the seriousness of the abortion issue so that when there is this link to the vaccine, the red flags go up. So many people who are Catholic and even go to church regularly, uh, you know, they uh, think, yeah, no, I'm against abortion and all that. But when you really start talking about details of, of, of what the abortion industry entails and the history of the uh, movement to push abortion, they're really not that informed. And... Uh, and therefore, when you try to make this link uh, 
to uh, using, you know, having abortion as an origin of this vaccine, they're kind of like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's for the greater good of humanity. I mean, these again, good-hearted people just not uh, acknowledging or recognizing how uh, diabolical abortion is, and it, it's, uh, you know, such a cornerstone to their uh, to their ideology. Um, Maybe I deviate a little bit from the initial uh, question here, but um, that's just the first thing that comes to mind, how people are just not informed on the abortion issue, even if they uh, say that they're pro-life. And therefore, to, to even stretch and make that connection to the vaccines, um, it's, it's a bit much for them. And it's difficult to persuade people to be open to learn more about uh about these vaccines. Uh, so that's what I'm sort of frustrated about. It's, it's not to be uh, condescending, but it's like trying to talk about when we talk about these spiritual issues to people who are products of poor catechesis over the decades. It's, it's like trying to talk differential equations or advanced math to people who still can't, you know, add single digit numbers. Not to, again, I, I don't want to, uh, I'm grateful to, to be, uh, to have met people who've told me about the faith uh, things I was deprived of growing up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and I think we just have to keep evangelizing to people about our faith and all that, that is the richness of the faith and the, the plethora of, of resources out there, you know, the Catholic radio, Catholic TV, the publications, the online sources, and not have people rely on their post-Vatican II, uh, you know, grammar school education as the basis <laughs> for the faith. Yeah. Amen. And, and, you know, it's funny, you're talking about abortion. Uh, I know uh, Adrian and, uh, uh, and Dennis sent out a, a uh, article that maybe you guys want to talk about uh, a bill that that's being pushed. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't. I just um, I, what I did is I just uh, looked it up real quick when I when I received the link and I'm like, oh, OK, because there's a, a certain bill. Uh, and I and I'm pretty sure Dennis can talk about this in more detail. Um, that's that's going to make it. Um, as usual, you know, per usual, they, uh, their MO is they're trying to promote women's right and protection, you know, of their of, of their rights. Um, kind of kind of a, a distortion of since we were talking about Catholic social teaching at the very beginning, you know, the the dignity of human life and whatnot. Like, it seems like it seems like that's what it is. But at the end of the day, like, no, we know it's about abortion. It's about giving people abortion and, and easy access to it. So there's something it's abortion that on can, demand, right? Yeah, abortion, abortion on, on demand. demand. That's yeah. basically it. That's, that's what it's all about. That, that's what it boils down to, you know. And so In pregnancy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something that's dangerous, and that's something again that we can do something about. You know, this is one of the reasons why they try to silence um, things like like I, I don't want to say like things like this podcast because we don't have nearly the reach of of uh, some of the people that get banned on YouTube. You know, we're not a Patrick Coffin show. We're not like Jesse Romero. That's never gonna gonna have a platform out there because of the of the things that he says, because uh, all this stuff is a threat. You know, when more of us start sending those emails, they're not going to be able to silence all of us. You know, they're not going to be able to say, OK, we're we're just going to dismiss them as I am often dismissed whenever I send an email to one of my representatives. So like, yeah, OK, like we we were elected to vote like the people want us to vote. And sadly, here in California, we're going to be turned down time and time again. But that doesn't mean that we stop trying. You know, and so hopefully, you know, I, I didn't give that much information on on the bill, but Javier, you kind of helped me out with that. Um, you know, do something about it. 
raise raise your voice you know say something because they can't ignore all of us and like you probably hear time and time again there's more of us than there are of them so you are a threat be a threat you know we we tend to be hush hush about our faith but th that time is is gone you know we can't be those men that just stand by idle doing nothing as our rights are being stripped and as death makes its way into the heart of the culture you know it's it's um we've been talking about the government but now we, you know i want to come back to the church as well and it's really sad uh you know we have the government trying to enforce these things and and um that are unconstitutional but then you see now the church following suit um and some of the bishops uh mm -hmm. worldwide and even locally uh within the united states i i've been reading all kinds of articles and one of the articles i read was on a bishop in kentucky that has now come out and said that uh all the priests should be mandated that everybody in the diocese should be vaccinated if you're not vaccinated as a priest that you should let your parishioners know that you're not vaccinated he ordered them to tell the, the parishioners and he also ordered or mandated that any priest that is not vaccinated shouldn't minister to the sick. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> this is ridiculous. You know, people are, somebody's dying and because I'm not vaccinated, you can't give them the anointing of the sick, right? I, what, what is- It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make right. any sense. Um, another one that they're, I read- dying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Save their soul for God's sake. Uh, another one that I read was uh, from Church Militant was on the Jesuits. This came out on the 7th of September uh, and basically talks about how Father Michael uh, Gibson is their superior general. And he came out and said that any Jesuit who is not vaccinated has basically a week to get vaccinated and begin the process. Uh, he's mandating that all Jesuits, regardless of whether they're uh, novices or they're associated with their schools or any institution of ministry whatever apostolate that they need to be vaccinated asap uh which is again and if they're not vaccinated for the time being they've now began to make uh quarters or compounds within their 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 living spaces where if they if they're living with them that they can live there until they get vaccinated kind of like ostracizing lepers. yeah lepers the yeah lepers. like <laughs> lepers and not the jesuits <laughs> and this is completely contrary uh to church teaching and it's funny because uh even the cdf uh the, the congregation for the doctrine of faith came out and said that vaccinations Vaccination is not, as a rule, a moral obligation, and therefore it must be voluntary, right? That we have a personal choice to be vaccinated. It's not mandatory. It's not, it's not something that's morally, uh, should be morally obligated on the faithful. Another crazy thing that I read in this article, and this is crazy, that Joe Biden's spiritual director is a Jesuit. <laughs> it's funny, but his, his spiritual director is a, is a Jesuit and he's from Georgetown. Now get this. He's, he's a Jesuit, which obviously um, makes a lot of sense that he's like probably telling, you know, Joe Biden, Hey man, like you're doing fine. Everything's okay. You could, you could believe in this stuff. You could, you could uh, do this, do that. You could believe in abortion and still be a faithful Catholic. Come if, on, man. <laughs> come on. If you guys remember, it was, a Jesuit, it was a Jesuit priest that 
began advising the the Kennedy family. Mm-hmm. And if you remember that 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 these mm-hmm. Jesuit priests, I, yep. I don't know their names. I, I wish I would have looked it up before the podcast. But you can look into this. I think the, it's in that book you're reading there, Dennis. That yeah. That yeah. he was the one that told the Kennedys when this issue of abortion was coming to the forefront, hey, it's okay. Yep. You can believe in abortion as a Catholic. And this is why the Kennedys sided with abortion at the time. And, and they not only sided with it, but they began legislating for it. Yeah, and it was a whole group that got together and they, they're the ones that started back in the Kennedy administration days. They started the whole thing where, you know, a politician, given that they're overseeing the whole country, you know, can be Catholic and not necessarily overturn Roe versus Wade or any of the, any legislation that pushes the faith on the rest of the country. You know, that's where it originated. That's where it all started. And in, lo and behold, our friends, the Jesuits. Yeah, this is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's horrible. It, this is horrible. Um, like I said, within the Catholic church and uh, coming from the Catholic church, well, then you know, we already knew that this was to come. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it, uh, going back to it's part of the infiltration. I'm looking here um, on page 163. It yeah, says the, Jesu- the, the Jesuits in 1965, there were 5,277 Jesuit priests and 3,559 seminarians. Uh, in the year 2000, there were only 3,172 Jesuit priests and only 38 seminarians. I mean, it dropped more than 3,000 seminarians. So that's not evidence for it. And that's just one group. That, 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 the whole list there, there's 12, the, maybe 15 different orders that, they're, that we're looking at there. And so all of them are the same uh, in, in, in uh, their, their drop. So yeah, I mean that's one of the one of the groups that the Freemasons uh, uh, targeted was the Jesuits, right? <laughs> Historical fact, yeah, because they were the most uh, arguably the most educated, and their focus was to educate, right? Uh, maybe you can mention the Christian Brothers as well, right? Because they dropped only seven seminarians from the thousands, right? Again, from I think in sixties to the year two thousand, so. Uh, right there, um, I, I think Javier hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, these these priests, these bishops, you know, God have mercy, we need to pray for them. But uh, ultimately, it's coming from them. I was just meditating on that recently, that if, if we had, imagine if all the bishops were solid, if all the priests were solid, we wouldn't have this, um, this scandal of, of uh, Catholic, quote unquote, Catholic politicians who come out and say they're Catholic, but yeah, they support abortion. They support "quote unquote" gay marriage. They support um, you name it, right? Any of the other uh, five non-negotiables that Pope Saint John Paul II laid out in uh, his encyclical. And so, basically, what we have here is we have uh, bad leadership from the shepherds, right? They're misleading their flock, and if they don't repent, obviously, they're going to pay for it, right, in the afterlife. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it's it's a terrible, terrible uh, situation that we're in. And I think the only hope we have is really the new priests coming in, uh, uh, new maybe new bishops. Um, but even then, I mean, unfortunately, I haven't heard, you know, there are some holes there too, but it, it's a world of a difference. But, um, you know, uh, God bless Bishop Barron on what he just came out with. But even, you know, b- bishops like, like he, he, you know, uh, would support this idea that hell may be empty, 
uh, which is contrary to the Catholic faith. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're in a spiritual battle as going back to Ephesians uh, chapter six, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. They're the ones that are in control of all of this uh, at the end of the day. So, Yeah. You know, in the beginning of the podcast, I think it was you, Dennis, that talked about a religious exemption uh, for the vaccine to, to bring it back to the vaccine. You know, it's funny. Um, it's sad. Unfortunately, we as Catholics, we can't cite that. We can't cite a religious ex- exemption because not only has, I mean, the U.S. Catholic bishops have made it clear that they are not against the vaccine. So uh, we can't cite it. So technically, you cannot cite a religious uh, exemption for not getting the vaccine, which well, is, I, I think it's very I, important to know that. You can cite a personal personal reasons uh, against, against, it goes against your, your conscience, et cetera, right. or your medical condition, uh, which they cannot force you to disclose. But in terms of religious exemption, um, that, that is not going to, that's not going to hold up because the Catholic church has now come out and said that. Well, these aren't magisterial well, teachings though. These are exactly. simply opinions of a group of Yeah, but I'm just saying like in a court of law, it like, it would, it would be, it would be kind of hard to kind of wrestle with that. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, because then they would say, oh, yeah, you're Catholic, but didn't your bishops just say this, this, and that? Yeah, Isn't that the that's, leadership? That's, that's what I'm trying church. to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that you know, harder, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. It would be difficult, but still possible, right? I, I think it's yeah, still yeah, possible. Yeah, you can quote the bishops. Um, you can quote your parish priest, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I think that the number one focus would be the, the conscience, right? And and we do have a conscience clause, do we not? Oh yeah, it's used it's used a lot by the more liberal Catholics. So maybe we can use the same club that they made to, uh, you know, clobber them. <laughs> it, was that too harsh? Was that was that too much? <laughs> no, you know, it's it's oh man, we're we're living in fun times. I want to I want to open it up more for Michael because I I don't know I feel like every time you speak it's 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 good stuff. So. So I want to I want to open it up to you. But at the same time, you know, I want to I want to make sure that uh, that people know that it's not just up to the priests. It's not just up to the bishops. You know, we if we are quoting Fulton Sheen here, it's up to us to remind the bishops who they are. You know, it's up it's up to the laity to remind them that that they are our shepherds. They're not politicians. They're not they're not freaking media figures. They are the shepherds of God's people. You know, they have apostolic succession and that it would be better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and to swim with the fishes, you know, than for them to lead the people astray. Yeah. And I mean, that's the same for the government, though, right? Oh, yeah. The government's meant to be at the service of the people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just the church, but it's very scriptural. Like any authority comes from God. Exactly. And they're meant to be at the service of the people, not the other way around. They shouldn't, they shouldn't work for be. Us. Exactly. They work for us. And our patience is the one that's wearing thin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Michael? You know what? I'm just thinking this whole movement has to be from the ground up. It has to be Amen. with all the resources we have. There's no excuse. How many of our friends are nominally Catholic friends? God bless them. Uh, you know, they listen to all the pop radio songs. They know all the, they spend so much time uh on other sources of entertainment that and and they don't listen to catholic radio they don't read catholic publications they don't take advantage of all the resources on the internet they don't uh, listen to dude catholic yeah right what is wrong with them <laughs> so uh and we just have to keep being persistent with our friends um 
you know, here in Buffalo, New York, like many of the uh, Great Lakes industrial cities, there, there's a lot of Catholics here. Uh, we have a lot of immigrant groups, a lot of uh, Polish, Irish, Italian, uh, Germans, uh, and maybe because of the large number of Catholics uh, in this area, we, we've kind of taken our faith for granted. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, certainly over the last couple of generations, for, uh, for sure. Uh, what am I getting? I, for some reason, I thought of this analogy with uh, various forms of communism. I don't like to use um, any, anything having to do with communism as examples. What I'm thinking of is how communism grew in the Soviet Union and how it grew in China. In the Soviet Union, you just had a, uh, a small group of guys, Lenin and Trotsky, these guys really impose everything on the people. It wasn't an organic movement. Whereas in China, it was from the ground up, incubated for, for decades, right? For since uh, 1911 and whatever. And then finally, after World War II, the conditions were right for, for, the, uh, for the, uh, the communists to take over. And they, they've infiltrated every strata of society in China. Mm -hmm. I mean, it took a while for for Russia to do that. I'm oversimplifying history, of course, and all its complexities, but I'm just trying to draw that contrast between having it imposed from above and having it grow from, from within. So we need to have, I don't wanna, again, uh, use their model, but the point is to have a movement from the ground up is what we need among Catholics, um, just to talk to people, have one-on-one -on -one conversations, utilize the social media and, and uh, positive ways as best as we can before we get canceled and, and censored out. When it, whenever one of you guys talk, I, talk, I just kind of want to jump in there because there's so many <laughs> ideas that kind of fire in my brain, right? Uh, this is why I like to not come in here with any material because then stuff that I've seen kind of pops into my head. I don't know this guy's political stance or anything, but there's a TED talk that came out years ago called How to Start a Movement by Derek Cybers uh, or Cybers, mm. I think. Yeah, um, listen to that one. Yeah, and there, he shows this video and it's a bunch of people on a field i don't know it could be it looks like a bunch of young adults and but this guy just kind of stands up and starts doing a silly dance and people are just kind of like ignoring the guy you know but eventually eventually he kind of gets a hype man you know he sees a guy sees that he's dancing then he joins and starts dancing as well and then other people slowly start dancing and then everyone starts dancing you know after a while it's this silly dumb dance but without the without the first hype man there's nothing so when you're speaking about things that that start from the ground up it's that you know it's that because it only took what three percent of the uh americans who were willing to fight against the british we don't need that many people we don't need that many people to start we don't need that many people who are willing to fight we just need a few men who are willing to stand up say something do something Right now, they they want to silence us, but they can't take control over the conversations that we have with other men. Yeah. And that's what this podcast is about. And we don't need that many people. It'd be cool, but you know what? We don't need that many. We just need a few people who've been, uh, to use the uh, the cliched red pill, you know, and we need to get after it. And we need to do something about this situation because it, it's not sitting well. And we've been patient enough and being the silent majority is not working out for us. Yeah, definitely. We've turned the cheek way too many times. And we... Running out of cheeks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> God have mercy. And you know, you know, we, you know, it's it's sad, but we learn from the left. We learn from the liberals. We look from from the woke mob how to how to how to start these movements. I mean, look at look at the the BLM movement. Look at all these movements that that started, like you said, tearing down statues, burning stuff down, riots, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that. It's, it should be called for that, that we should get crazy and violent like that. But we definitely can learn from them uh, in a sense to rise up in our own way and, and fight back uh, all this, all this crazy radical uh, ideas that are being uh, taught to our children enforced in our workplace and in, in the federal government and in, in our universities everywhere. It, it's everywhere for, for God's sake on TV in Disney, everywhere movies. It's, it's seeping into everywhere. And, and it's really unfortunate. And we're paying for it. Yeah. That it's coming out of our pockets. That's that's the sad part. You don't need Big Brother to step in and to tell you how to live your life. You should be able to live your life. Yes, you need the government to protect its people. You need the government to set up laws and, and you know throw people in jail if they're breaking these laws, if they're murdering, if they're stealing, if they're raping, if they're killing. You know, and, and unfortunately we have abortion, which we're failing there. But um, so that should be the role of the government, right? I think of Pope John Paul II's visit to his native Poland in 1979, um, which was the 900th anniversary of the uh, martyrdom of St. Stanislaus. Uh, Mr. Grady, Dennis, and I were just walking through a local cemetery here, the statue of St. Stanislaus, anyway, who stood up to a tyrannical government at the time, uh, a tyrannical monarch in Poland in the year 1079. And the point is the communists had no idea about the historical significance of this, but the Polish people did. You know, as Stalin said, trying to put a, a, a communism into Poland is like trying to put a saddle on a cow. And even though they were successful somewhat for decades, ultimately it was the, the, the Polish people just need to be not woke, but awakened. And John Paul II's visit, I think um, George Weigel in his book, uh, The Final Revolution, The Resistance Church and the Collapse of Communism, uh, not par paraphrasing that what, what Lenin began in uh, 1917 and what Stalin thought he reinforced at, at uh, Yalta in 45 and what Brezhnev, uh, forgot the exact terminology, what he did in 1968 as far as um, trying to uh, maintain communism in Czechoslovakia, John Paul II started to dismantle at the Yasnaguda Monastery in Częstochowa during his first pilgrimage in 1979. The point is, he simply said to the famous, be not afraid. You know, um, it, it, telling the masses of Polish people, don't be afraid of this illegitimate regime here. And that just inspired people. You know, a decade later, the Berlin Wall came down and, uh, and the Soviet Empire fell like dominoes. So that those simple words and that simple message should inspire us. Let's tell each other, don't be afraid. We have we have the numbers. Let's rise up and, and, and let's start talking and, and just communicating with each other about this. I guess I could just quickly mention the, um, uh, for, the, for the listeners to look up the church's position on Big Brother, right? You can look up the church's uh, teaching on solidarity and subsidiarity without going into a lengthy discourse. Um, social teaching. Catholic social teaching, right? Basically, any the church teaches in, the, in its principle on subsidiarity Anything that can be done at a lower level should be. All right, so we we don't need Big Brother uh, to do what can be done at a lower level, right? I mean, that's just a, a very, very, very basic 
summary of subsidiarity. So basically, please don't support communism, right? Don't support socialism. Don't vote for people who are in favor of that, such as our current president. And, um, and this is the year 2020, by the way, 2021, I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm starting to forget with all COVID going on. But um, yeah, so under uh, Biden, of course, we have, um, as President Trump mentioned, we are under uh, communist, communist uh, control. Um, and they're just beginning to unleash, right, immediately. It, it hasn't even been a year yet. They're beginning to unleash their uh, tyrannical uh, oppression upon us with the mask mandate and now vaccine mandate. I mean, people here in Buffalo, I've listened on the local radio where I heard that, you know, people in the healthcare um, in, the, in the health field are quitting their jobs, even though they're making, um, you know, close to six figures. They're quitting because they don't want to receive the vaccine. So God bless them. Uh, thankfully, New York judge is stepping up and um, smacking down Biden's unconstitutional mandate. And so from what I heard, a friend who's uh, medical field that uh, they're, they're no longer being forced to uh, receive the vaccine. But again, I'm sure that's going to be a battle back and forth. We'll see. Um, but yeah, those are my closing remarks there, um, Javier. Yeah, this is definitely a battle that we find ourselves in. And we need to pray and we need to stand up uh, for our families uh, against uh, in any in any if you're if you're a father you know, and your children are being taught these things, you know, um, in schools, whatever, you need to stand up, you need to raise up your voice, you need to go to the director, you need to go to the principal, the teacher, do not cower down. We have, we have turned our cheek way too long. We have been passive way too long. We need to, but we also need to pray. We also need to pray. Right, Adrian? Correct. Um, as you were saying, we gotta, we gotta start from, from the lowest place possible. I don't think it gets any lower than us. So, um, so hopefully you can join us in that and you can pray for us as we pray for you. Ferrum ferro, acquitor. Wraps it up, gentlemen. Good stuff.